Hello, fans of Decanumeric Bass Celebrations. You're listening to the Dare Daniel Podcast, where you send us your most sinister movie dares, and we suffer the consequences for your amusement. I'm Corky McDonald. I'm a local comedian, and I just want to get my address book back. Can I please just get my address book? I think I left it here. With me, as always, film critic Daniel Barnes. Hi, everyone. On this show, we do your dirty work, your dirty dogs, by watching the most unwatchable movies you can imagine, and then we review and rate them using our unique system. Run-of-the-mill bad film? Yeah, we'll give that a dare. Double dare goes to the truly atrocious movies, and we reserve the reverse dare. The hallowed, respected, renowned, worldwide, beloved reverse dare is for those despised movies that are actually pretty good. Today on the podcast, we're bringing you episode dun, 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 100 and kicking off Triple Timber with a review of Jane Wagner's 1978 bomb, Moment by Moment, starring Travolta and Lily Tomlin. But first, we're going to bring in our very special, very wonderful, very technically sound guest host for this week, a man who was with us at the very start of the Dare Daniel podcast. Mr. Johnny Flores. Oh, Johnny! Producer well, hello, Johnny. Kids. Hello and hello and hello. For the longtime fans of the show, long time, know that Johnny produced the first 55, 56 or so episodes of the podcast. He was there from day one. He was there from before day one. I helped he was there this podcast. Was I was like the midwife birthing. number negative 150 or so that Johnny was we there. We call him producer Johnny, but he's really doula Johnny. Like he <laughs> he saw us into the world. <laughs> I I slapped the podcast on its butt to get mm-hmm. its first breath going. I, I cut the, the, the umbilical cord it's, with my teeth, mind you, because I didn't have instruments. No, it's beautiful. It's so, just quite beautiful. Yeah. Johnny, what have you been up to the last uh, about year and a half, two years or so since you since you left us? Uh, well, I'm still in jail. I'm recording this from jail. Okay, good. That's great. Uh, yes. That's fantastic. The, we didn't the talk system about works. That on the podcast, That's great but... to hear. <laughs> Your tax dollars at work, folks. Yep. <laughs> I'm uh, teaching podcasting in prison as part of my uh, rehabilitation and uh, recidivism program. And- Thank so. you for setting up this uh, Riverside chat so we can all put our personal information in to sign up and get on this while you're in That's jail huge. recording this. <laughs> That's huge. <laughs> no, I, uh, I've i just been uh, helping produce shows and uh, just doing that stuff, hanging out. But you're still running <laughs> Flores Podcast Consulting, so talk about that a little bit. What do you guys do over there? Sure. Uh, well, I help basically do what I did for you guys. I help people develop their shows and... Um, Help run them, help record them, edit them. Just depends on what my clients' needs are. Um, but yeah, still doing that. I'm doing everything remotely now because of the pandemic. But mm-hmm. also, it makes recording podcasts so much easier. It it comes with its own its own headaches from time to time, but um, super easy. They can record from their homes or their office or like me from jail. Yeah, beautiful, yes. beautiful. <laughs> yeah, and I, I cannot recommend Johnny's services enough because Absolutely. just go, going back to like 2018 when we first started even just talking about the show and recording the show, uh, or no, 2017 actually, it was like late 2017. We still we released episodes in 2018, but it was back in 2017 we started talking about it. And I had an idea, but I had literally no idea how to make that idea into a podcast. But Johnny was the well, one who was able to get it from A to B to C to where we are now. Uh, 
I had originally come to you, Daniel, with a different yes, idea. That's true. I, come, yes. I came to you with an idea. I think I called it a film year or something like that. Yeah. And that like each season would look at a specific year in cinema. No, you know? I remember uh, we were at Insight Coffee here on that's right, 16th that's right. Street in Sacramento talking about this. So what you didn't know at the time was that I had another idea for the show. I had this idea, which is yeah. based on the blog post that and I used to do. Way much back better idea. Better idea. better idea. And I had Quirky in mind. You had no idea that I had this fully realized vision for a show, but I had no idea how do you get from I have a vision for a podcast to my podcast is on iTunes and all these other places and people listen to it and we're up to 20,000 listens or so. But to get to there, Johnny needed to be there. So he is... He's like, you know, you talk about the history of rock and roll. This is like Chuck Berry, little Richard over here for us, mm -hmm, okay? Mm -hmm. You know, like he was an architect. One of the I, amazing things you hear people talk about the beginnings of their podcast, and they'll be like, if you listen to the first couple episodes, ignore the sound. I, the sound right. is awful on my first. We never had that problem. No. Like we sounded good from the get go. The the problem was us at the beginning. Yes. <laughs> like we, it took us a couple months to work out the show, but the, yeah. it, we fucking sounded great doing it. Yeah, it wasn't until Johnny left that we had to like <laughs> ignore episodes fifty six through fifty nine, yeah. also sixty two, sixty seven, and seventy eight. <laughs> Never mind those episodes. <laughs> that was the issue. Yeah, uh, Johnny, but, are uh, you still podcasting? Like, what what projects do you work on now? Uh, visit Sacramento, which is our official tourism um, nice, nice. board here in Sacramento. I work for them. I work for Visit Vacaville. And then um, I've got a couple other pending things. I've been in talks with uh, Crocker Art Museum off and on for awesome. a while. Um, mm -hmm. And then uh, some creativity groups uh, like uh, the Creative oh, – I forget the name of the thing. Creative Alliance or something like that. I, I think your wife is part of that, uh, Daniel. Um, part of that collective. She and has a life outside of me. You know, <laughs> I gotta let her do I don't it. Pay attention I much? I, got, yeah. I, don't, I wasn't there. Wait, I didn't know. I'm married. What? <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, and then there's yeah, just with any sort of uh, production, it's always it's always a walk. People think uh, it's it's a long walk. A lot of people think, oh, I'll just plug in a mic and get going, and that is fine. You could totally do that. Yeah. But, if you want to do it right, you should put some thought into it and think about what your show is about. Like, that's one thing that always impressed me with Derek Daniel was you guys had a fully formed idea because we didn't just jump into it. Like, I know you two had talked back and forth for a while about the show, but uh, it was one of the shows where I was like, oh, shit, this thing's ready to go out from from episode one. It really hasn't. It changed a little bit. I think you guys used to do more of a beer review kind of thing. And now right. it's just like, that was one of the things I think I helped mentor was like, let's just talk about the beer and then get into the episode. Truly uh, true. But, uh, but no, I mean, the show was pretty much fully formed, which always reminds me of shows like, um, like the office where, I mean, well, they had a template. They followed the yeah, British they office. Had but, a whole other show to go up. <laughs> but they like the show hit the ground running. There wasn't totally mm. the characters didn't change down the road a lot. And a lot of podcasts do that. They evolve and they should. But like you guys came out fully evolved. Or Daniel well, came out weird, fully evolved. Because this season we were talking about adopting uh, a foster kid just yeah. to bring in, you know, that like late series. <laughs> it's that like surge. season eleven energy where we're just we like gonna we open gotta a bar. have something. Yeah, totally. Like, <laughs> we're gonna talk movies anymore. Just gonna open record in a bar. <laughs> yeah, like uh, six on um, Married with Children when they or seven whatever the kid's name was that they brought in. And I remember 
like the kid I on Archie's like place when yeah, all the family yeah. became Archie's place. <laughs> or when they brought in that little redheaded kid with a slight lisp on um, uh, Arnold. What's the Arnold show? Uh, on different strokes. Different strokes. Do you strokes. remember when Facts Shirty, of Life Shirty. went from being Facts of Life went from being a show at an all girls like boarding school to they opened some fucking little mall store? <laughs> George Clooney started working there. Yeah, Cloris right. Leachman ran it. They got rid of Mrs. Garrett. Nobody was, remembers this. <laughs> I remember when Cl- uh, Cloris Leachman came in towards like the yeah. That's like uh, Family Ties. Like the last season really jumped the rails when it was like post-apocalyptic uh australian outback i thought that was the weirdest choice suddenly they were cannibals it was just like michael gross in that one episode really betrayed what the show was all about humongous was in it and the toe cutter i was like this is weird (laughs) johnny do you still listen to the podcast assuage our egos unfortunately listen to very few podcasts yeah unbelievable because i'm editing and running things behind this, I can't listen to something while I'm listening to shows that I'm running. So it takes me like so that's a big the only no. show I really listen to anymore is Conan O'Brien needs a friend, and it takes me about a week. By the time I start <laughs> an episode and I finish it, the next episode has just come out. Yeah, because I'll so listen to it in little chunks. You're in. Hold deep. on, you're you're an independent podcast producer. You have made a name for yourself in the Sacramento area, and the only podcast you listen to is a fucking Conan O'Brien podcast. <laughs> you sell out. You absolute sell out. I've still never listened to a no. podcast or even this actually guy. know what a podcast is. I'm I'm pretty sure it has to do with radio. I think. Yes. Yeah. No frame of reference. I, think. I, do, I don't know what station it's on. What fucking station do I do to get this podcast? When um, when I was still doing my old show, my uh, girlfriend's dad has worked in radio and TV forever. Since the late 80s, I think he's been in radio and TV. He used to do the sound for the Kings back when they were in hmm. Arco Arena before they moved into Golden One Arena. And uh, at the time, this was probably you know five years ago, I, I was thinking about, oh, maybe I'll do a little podcast network. And it'll be a Sacramento, Northern California podcast network. I'll have shows on it and it'll act as a hub. I'll, you know, I can help run these shows behind the scenes, but I don't know a ton about this stuff. Let me go and talk to Sasha's dad. And uh, so I went in there and talked to him about it. I was like, yeah, I want to do these podcasts and explaining everything to him. And he, and, and he goes, so, so when the podcasts aren't up, <laughs> Is there music streaming? In, like, oh, do we have to get music licenses? I was like, no, 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 no. No, no, no. He's like, okay, well, so are we doing news breaks at the top and the bottom of the just hour? Or his just head around like, like, not yeah. to radio. And he's he's not that much older than me. I think he's about eleven. I'm I'm nine years older than my girlfriend, and he's probably another ten older than me. So it's not like a huge age gap, but enough generational yeah. gap in like as far as that runs. Uh, very knowledgeable guy. He 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 has taught me a lot about sound. If anything sounds good, it's because he kind of let me go to him with questions at any time because he loves talking about sound. Sure. Um, but I but I always that's always my thing about like don't feel bad if you don't know what a podcast is because right there's a person who worked in media for twenty something <laughs> plus years who didn't still get figured. it either. So it's He's okay. Like, who, g- understand. who gives the traffic updates on your podcast? Yeah. <laughs> Who's our weather guy? Is he is he quirky? Is he sassy? Like, what's the deal? Are, are we gonna go the uh, the uh, Telemundo route and have like a, a sexy vixen as our oh, yeah. as our sexy weather, weather person? We yeah. need some sexy weather. Or no, yeah. I, um, 
Turner Classic Movies just last year started releasing their first podcast, and I remember they actually had a commercial on TCM that was like explaining what a podcast was. Like Ben Mankwitz is like, <laughs> think of it as radio, but it's on your computer. That's like, oh my god, he's really explaining what the fuck it is. Like it's all these like eighty five year olds are like, what? What is this garbage? What is it? Huh? Johnny, thank you so much for being on the show. Episode number 100. It's very special to have you here. We don't have a lot of guests on the show. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a, it's an exclusive club to begin with. But for number 100, it's really special. Was, so, well, thank everybody, you for having me on. Oh, absolutely. And I thought Gav was going to be here, too. So, uh, We wish. Yeah. <laughs> Someday, Gav will be back. Um, but Flores Podcast Consulting, what's the website? Where can people get in touch with you about starting their own podcast? Uh, they can go to floristpodcastconsulting.com and, uh, yeah, I'm happy to, uh, uh, I, I largely work with organizations like nonprofit and for-profit businesses, but I'm totally happy to, uh, I, I don't mind giving some time and helping people get going. Um, like people like yourselves who are, you know, independent, they're not part of a studio or a production team and they just want to have their own podcast. I, I love talking to people. Uh, from that perspective so that they get started on the right foot. You know, um, I really like the medium. I'm passionate about it. And uh, I don't mind giving time to people who need, who are just kind of starting off and they need some advice and tips because uh, from a selfish standpoint, I don't want podcasting to be bad yeah. because yeah. then it brings the entire medium down. Sure. Um, so yeah, send me an email um, at Johnny at Flores Podcast Consulting or Johnny's go to my talking website. to you, Barack Obama and Bruce Springsteen. Yeah, yeah Jesus, right. those two. garbage people. <laughs> yes, thank yeah. you so much. Thank you, Johnny. We don't want yeah. podcasting quality to go down because Dan would somehow listen to even less of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would just throw my computer away, Ron Swanson style. <laughs> yeah. All right. This week's podcast oh, cocktail. Yeah. It's a very special one, of course, because it's number 100. So I made sure that I made it special. What I wanted to do uh, in honor of Johnny being here is I wanted to do a play on the old pal because we're okay. all old pals. The old pal is a prohibition cocktail. It was created by famed bartender Harry McElhone at Harry's New York bar in Paris in the 1920s. Your classic old pal is rye whiskey, Campari, and dry vermouth, but those flavors can be a little strong, a little bracing, so I wanted to make something softer and a little sweeter because we're not just old pals. We're pod pals. So I oh. give you the pod pal cocktail. I cut that rye whiskey with a little sweet and smooth bourbon, swapped out your Campari for some Aperol, sweeter, lighter, more citrusy, and I added a couple of dashes of orange bitters to complement it. And there is your old pal cocktail. A little lemon twist on top, don't forget. Gentlemen, how do you how do you like the cocktail? Uh well, you hear the ching ching of me tapping it up against my mic. That's the cheers. <laughs> I, I had one sip and put it in the toilet. So mm, no, no, beautiful. it's incredibly like, good. Uh, Johnny's used to Pruno. He's used to toilet yeah. wine, so that's just not <laughs> Yeah, that's what we do here. That's at, a compliment. Uh, Bol Thank you. Bolton Prison, yeah. So this uh, is delicious. You said yeah. those other things are uh, indicative of strong flavors. That's not what I get from this. This is yeah. a very smooth drink. There's yeah, it almost no has like a ansith um, licorice taste to it. It's super good. Well, thank you very much, gentlemen. So, of course, as always, I will put the recipe in the notes for the show, and you can make a Pod Pal cocktail at home. This one's actually pretty easy to make, and all of the ingredients you can get at a BevMo or wherever. So, 
it was really easy to make because you made it for me. Well, yeah, and, for you, uh, it was just the easiest way to make delivered. a drink. That's the important thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Johnny, really did good. your father-in-law uh, know anything about TikTok? Because if we could learn how to make these and put them on TikTok, <laughs> that would be awesome. Yeah. Uh, TikTok, the grandfather, like a grandfather's clock. Is that what yes, you're? Yes, that's exactly I think what so. I, I'm not <laughs> sure. But yeah, <laughs> but I'm pretty. Yeah, maybe. I hear you just got to lip sync other people's stuff while you do it, and then <laughs> yeah. you go viral. Or have that okay computer, uh, synthetic voice thing right. talk mm-hmm. over fitter, you know, yeah. fitter, happier, happier, smarter. Yeah. more productive. Yeah, more productive. <laughs> Put 27 <laughs> pictures into this photo. <laughs> I've never intentionally see the tiktok we are we sound so old we sound yeah, so we sound like such old, old ancient men yeah i don't no. think any of us are in I our 30s represent right? myself 40s and up. oh yeah 40s and my daughters up. will send me links my daughters will send me links to tiktoks and i'm like i don't even know how to open this like what was that who's the tiktoks do i tiktok so, it i don't know so are we tiktoking uh, about this already <laughs> we've been we've been watching only murderers in the building which oh, is yeah. Steve Martin, Martin Short, and Selena Gomez, and uh, <laughs> so my my girlfriend's thirty seven, and uh, you know, and has worked in uh, education and library services for services all of her professional adult life. Um, so a lot of interactions with children and teens, and you know, that's her wheelhouse is like especially teens. She loves working with teens, right. and um, she. Uh, we're watching this show and I was like, man, this is Selena Gomez. She's uh she's she's holding her own with these two co- comedy giants. And uh has she done anything else? And my girlfriend started laughing at me. She's like, You fucking old man, you fucking old man. You don't know she's like one of the most popular people in the public right eye since she was, was like, like fourteen years old. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she was a zygote on the Disney Channel show. Yeah. <laughs> Disney Channel actually showed her con- conception and then You're, recorded and her like, in her mom's womb. Your girlfriend's watching it like, God, who are these two old men holding yeah, it with like, this comic these... genius from Wizards <laughs> of Waverly Place? Yeah. Who are these two? <laughs> I just All love right. that. She's like, you fucking old man. I'm like, sorry. <laughs> and now, our feature presentation. Moment by moment. The IMDb synopsis for Moment by Moment. Trisha Rawlings, a Beverly Hills socialite, suffers from loneliness following the separation of her womanizing husband, Stu. Strip, a young drifter, became infatuated with her and develops a May-December relationship with her. Yes, this week's film, film number 100, is Moment by Moment. And let me tell you, Johnny, Corky, I was counting every single moment until this movie ended. I was just kept checking my watch, like, how many moments are left of this fucking thing? There's a lot thing? of moments, Dan. There's, There's like a lot of moments. Thousands of moments. I can't believe it. I had to so count every moments. single one. Film stars Lily Tomlin and John Travolta are man of the month. The month is Travolta-ember. This was the third film of Travolta's three-film contract with producer Robert Stigwood, the first two, Saturday Night Fever and Grease, huge hits with critics and audiences alike. This one, not so much. So Laura, this was their heat classic. check. This was their heat check. This movie. was like, yeah, this was. i just, I just got over the half court line, and I'm fucking, fucking chucking this. <laughs> I don't give a shit. I hit this two in Steph, a row. Steph Curry's made nine of eleven threes. He's just fucking winging it from the th- first row. 
<laughs> moment by Moment was written and directed by Jane Wagner, Tomlin's longtime writing and life partner. Wagner wrote for Laughing. She penned Tomlin's one-woman show, Search for Signs of Intelligent Life in the Universe. Also scripted her 1981 movie vehicle, The Incredible Shrinking Woman. They also married in 2013. Good the movie them. was shot in Malibu in the spring and summer of 1978, released December 22nd, 1978. It grossed $11 million against a budget of $8 million. Not bad, but definitely disappointing given that Grease made like $300 million earlier that year, and Tomlin was also a huge star, so kind of disappointing and it didn't help that moment by moment had absolutely toxic advanced press a los angeles magazine article reported from the set that quote the chemistry between tomlin and travolta began to rival that between menahem Begin and yasser arafat end quote that's a good one good one one of the film's crew members said quote two weeks into the shooting on location in malibu there was nobody on the set that didn't know we were in the middle of a turkey it was like being on the voyage of the <laughs> damned end quote that's a little harsh you're getting paid come on not surprisingly moment by moment was critically clobbered upon release gene siskel called it quote a thoroughly awkward frequently laughable love story that travolta would do well not to defend but to simply forget a rare defense of the film came from kevin thomas of the los angeles times who wrote quote there actually is chemistry between them and what they have to say to each other sounds lifelike rather than merely trite end quote corky and johnny my question to you did this movie come off as lifelike to you or merely trite or maybe worse than that well not to you know disparage the chemistry the palpable chemistry between Menachem Begin and Yasser Arafat <laughs> that's really way that, to, way but to when crap we speak of the great names in chemistry when we speak of Pasteur <laughs> Lavoisier Alice Ball Marie Dorothy Curie. Hodgkin Marie Curie Bella Jacob Terry Hatcher and Howie Long <laughs> Melissa Joan yeah, Hart serious. and Anthony Anderson <laughs> yes <laughs> And Chris, uh, Christian Steele and Anastasia Gray, when we speak oh, about boy. all that just great chemistry, I don't think Tomlin Travolta no. it even scratches that list. No. It's not even allowed in the lab. You guys told me about this movie, and I was like, Lily Tomlin and John Travolta? <laughs> yeah. That's a movie Who? that happened. <laughs> and, and Corky and I were talking about this before. What do you we were he told me about the movie i looked it up i was like they look like brothers and brother and sister why yes. would they think that they're yeah. even would want to fuck each other like they should have cast them as brother and sister but like you or, tell me or, there's a movie in the late 70s with lily tomlin and john travolta i say yes i understand they're huge stars at the time they're both big she's a comedy wizard she's been on saturday night live a million times he's hot everything he touches then you find out it's a love story and you're like wait what what, <laughs> what, fucking what? it, it would have been more interesting if it was like if they had continued this on from her edith ann character from laughing <laughs> yes sure right? and then sure. and then it's her dating for dating john travolta for the first time in her like, make her a teenager. Right. <laughs> a young woman in her 20s who wants to... I just... I was stunned it wasn't filmed entirely in a closet. I like this whole thing. Because, come on. Watching this movie, they are fighting the whole time that neither one of these are attracted to each other at all. No. And the lack of chemistry is, is palpable. I think it's a somewhat interesting movie basically only in concept because I see it as sort of like this gender reverse spin on these movies mm. where a bored middle-aged married man going through a midlife crisis 
finds himself renewed and restored and given new life by this woman who's usually younger, she's usually sexualized, she's usually objectified. But beyond that, there's there's nothing here to recommend. The execution is absolutely dreadful. It's so dreary of a movie. It's so drippy. The leads have no chemistry. The direction is, the only word I can come up with is indifferent. As though, like, Mm. Jane Wagner really did not give a shit where the camera was placed or what it was doing at any time. It's not surprising this was Jane Wagner's only directorial effort because she does not show any, like, chops whatsoever uh, as far as directing actors or just, you know, mise-en-scene, moving the camera or doing anything interesting. Pace drag, script is bland, and yes, the script is also trite. Very, very, very dialogue in this. Yeah. (laughs) There's a scene where... I don't know how Travolta's character, what's it, limp? What is it? Strip. <laughs> strip. He's strip. Limp is the performance. Yeah. yeah. Uh, strip so, is the name. They, 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 there was no natural bringing them together. He's, Mm-mm. he's almost stalkerish in this. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a scene where they're on the beach and she's eating chicken and he's basically homeless. He's, yeah. he, yeah. he's like a young guy just trying to find his way in the world and is basically living literally living on the beach with no home yeah. and uh, in Malibu, she has a dog and <laughs> he asks for her chicken. She's like, sure. gives it to him. And he's like, hi scamp. Is that wine? And she hands him the <laughs> wine here. Scamp he goes to give her the chick, give the dog some chicken. Lily Tomlin says, no, don't feed him. John Travolta. No. Okay. Sorry, scamp. <laughs> That was like like five minutes of the movie. Yeah, I was like, why? Why was that recorded? John Travolta in this, like I said, I mean, it's like a gender flipped kind of a thing. Lily Tomlin kind of takes the traditionally male role. She has money. She has status. She's kind of, she's strong, but she's cold emotionally. She, She wants to mother yeah, John Travolta in this is a manic pixie dream boy. Like, seriously, yes. he puts messages yes. in a bottle and throws them <laughs> in the ocean. That's how fucking a manic pixie dream boy he is. It's fucking hilarious. Yep. But yeah, all, yep. the other thing about this movie is that there's very muted tones to it. There's a very slow pace, as I mentioned. And there is the constant sound, because most of it takes place in Malibu, right by the beach, of ocean waves crashing. It's like a movie designed to put you to sleep. There's seagulls. Yes, yes. It's like what you would look at before going in for surgery to just to relax you. <laughs> like I, play some I, ocean sounds. So I easy. had a cat scan of my foot the other day, and up above the the machine yeah. where your head is, they had this scenes from this movie up there. Yeah, to look exactly. At. The, the poster yes. of her yeah. laying on top of them. Yeah, it's it, it's. It's not aggressively bad, but it's just very boring. It's just a real fucking drag of a movie. I actually watched another really bad Travolta movie in in our backyard. We projected in our backyard. We watched Perfect with him and Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis from the mid-80s. That hmm. movie is aggressively bad, but it's much more entertaining for for being aggressively bad and, and having some kind of a fucking point of view, even if it's ridiculous. So. Kind of wish we watched that one, but it was fun in the backyard. And I watched it with David, Paul, and Carolyn, who are two uh, oh, monthly nice. supporters of the show. So they they got to participate in Travolta. All right, mm-hmm. let's get into it. Episode number 100, moment by moment. In the first moment of the movie, we hear some drippy-ass synth and sax music. This is late 70s easy listening is how I would describe the score of this movie. 
that sound of score reminded me of like Tootsie. It reminded mm-hmm. me of the courtship of Eddie's father. Like, I don't know. It, just rem- it was, <laughs> it was it, like, you could have just dropped that. Yeah. It was definitely going to commercial break music for like <laughs> Falcon Crest. Absolutely. Yeah. Something Absolutely. like that. So we see Lily Tomlin. She is a, a woman who is obviously wealthy. And <laughs> but she's strolling down Rodeo Drive. And how do we know that she's wealthy? Because like as she's strolling, there's all these quick dissolves to <laughs> Rodeo Drive sign, Hermes, like yes. whatever, all these brands. Like it is so artless. Uh, like right away. I mean, like some movies just announce their fucking ineptitude right away and this is one of them it's just like wow no i get it she's rich she's yeah. not just walking down some street you i fucking was wondering peasant. is that like what's in her head like does she just imagine like <laughs> shop signs <laughs> you might as well just go up and film uh price tags on her clothes or something so she's walking one direction and then here's john travolta of travolta ember fame he's walking down the other direction only he's walking down sunset boulevard and at a place i looked this up that is nowhere fucking near rodeo mm. you could not stroll from rodeo it's like a four mile walk through like yeah. <laughs> through los angeles this is not a fucking there there are jumps in this movie where i was like i i my family is largely from L.A. I'll go down there every once in a while. When I lived in San Diego, when I was younger, we used to go up to L.A. all the time. And there was things in this movie. I was like, oh, that's nowhere near that. That's, that's not three possible. hours of traffic. That's and three hours even, of traffic right they there. couldn't even edit this thing well. There's a scene jumping ahead a little bit where he kind of follows her to her car. And they're walking down one street. Mm-hmm. And then there's no transition of time. They're immediately picking up their conversation in a parking lot that overlooks the city of la downtown mm-hmm. la and you're like that's miles <laughs> away from where yeah, you were that's not where they were yeah and then they even made the mistake of like i i am not a video editor at all and even i was like i wouldn't have shown that they show him walking away and the parking lot is huge and half a mile from the street i was like Man. Yeah, no, <laughs> not good. No, I, I always enjoy those kind of geographical edits in movies where it's like we're driving one way, we're gonna turn right, cut. We're literally ten miles away from where this place is. This is impossible to fucking happen. One of my all-time favorites is from Blue Jasmine, the Woody Allen movie, where Kate Blanchett has like some kind of a mental and physical breakdown where she basically becomes like a deranged homeless woman, and suddenly she walks from the Golden Gate Bridge to a record store in Berkeley. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's not possible. No, that's not go, possible. You would need a ferry from, uh, ride. She goes from, uh, it's even like a two-hour walk to the ferry. She goes from, from uh, the Golden Gate Bridge to Amoeba Music in uh, Berkeley. She's just like, walks underwater for several yeah. hours. <laughs> like, no. You're, you're just walking all the way down, down south of the San Mateo Bridge. <laughs> I mean, you're taking the long uh, way. Daniel, oh, so she took smug. that route. That makes sense. You, you're so smug, Daniel. You didn't get that in her her delusional state it that seems like it was that short of a you missed that part mm. daniel so no i get you it call yourself i get a film it. critic no so. i don't <laughs> absolutely not but yes uh, tomlin while she is an obviously wealthy woman travolta is an obviously not wealthy man he has shaggy hair his jeans are dirty he has this kind of ratty shirt it's only half buttoned and they meet kaboom worlds collide at schwab's on Sunset Boulevard, which again, nowhere within walking distance of Rodeo Drive. You couldn't possibly. You wouldn't ever. No one's ever done that. It would be ridiculous. Schwab's on Sunset, Hollywood Trivia Time, is purportedly where Lana Turner was discovered as a 16-year-old. It was not. That's that's Hollywood fiction. 
though. It was actually the Top Hat Cafe, which is near mm. Hollywood High, High, Hollywood High School, where Lon Turner went to uh, high school, and she was skipping class at the time. Isn't that interesting? I'm putting off talking about this movie in any Another way. Another bit of Hollywood trivia: Lana Turner murdered Johnny Stampanato, <laughs> her boyfriend at the time, and then pinned it on her daughter. Just yes. a rap as a 16 year old. As well, hey, it all comes around. It all comes around. again. Let's just talk about that shit instead of moment by Please. moment. And she was dating Sean Connery at the time, and they <laughs> there was rumors that he was actually the one that murdered Johnny. But. <laughs> So they meet in line at Schwab's on Sunset. So she is asking, what about the sleeping pills? She's looking for sleeping pills. She's having trouble sleeping. She's, she's basically looking for like prescription grade sleeping pills, but she ain't got no prescription, right? Uh, he basically tries to cut in front of her in line. Yeah. And he's like, what about my friend Greg? Like, Greg, what about Greg? And she's like cold to him, which the movie sees as a signifier of like, oh, wow, she's very brittle. Wait, wait, like, he really did try on. to cut in front of her. <laughs> But then he stands uncomfortably close to her the entire oh, time. Very. And I was like, I thought to myself, did they not know how lines worked back then? Because, <laughs> or, or how, and I think HIPAA laws didn't come into uh, into uh, existence in, until the 90s. So, I mean, he's like totally invading her privacy as she's oh, yeah. he is a very. This is a very New York style right. of behavior, yeah. this personal yeah, yeah. space breakup and that kind of stuff. And it's in LA, especially uh, higher end LA, watching her walk around. I was like, it just feels so out of place. But also, the past year and a half, I have this thing where I'm watching TV. I'm like, oh, I can't believe they're standing that close to each other. Yeah. You know, it's just <laughs> right. like, it feels like retroactively <laughs> That's wrong. Too close. Too close. So. She gets denied her pills. He is he's asking about his friend Greg, who we find out was arrested because he stole from from the store from Schwab's. So they both leave basically frustrated by their encounters uh, in this drugstore. She goes into like a home goods store, I think. Yeah. Also, I guess on Sunset or maybe miles away in another county. Who fucking? I mean, this movie just <laughs> punches it wherever it needs to. Uh, <laughs> she's in the Nard. He follows her there. And he accosts her once again in the store, and she walks away again. And he keeps following her outside of the store. He keeps going. The, he keeps going. The first this is 10 like, pages yeah. of the script is just, he bothers her. That's yes. all it was on each page. That's really the theme of the first half of the movie is he persists, she resists. He persists, she resists. He keeps going. He follows her to her car. It's upsetting. Uh, which is a BMW, of course, another signifier of her wealth. And he remembers her from this previous encounter they had where he was a parking valet. And she took credit for a ding in the car, which she actually did did do. But she was like, oh, wow, you could have blamed it on me. So, but she still acts really cold and says she doesn't remember him. This is where we also learn his name, which is Vic Sunset, dot, 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 Strip. So his name is Strip because his name is Vic Sunset. Vic Sunset Strip, dumb. This is the first time when I saw there. There's a shot from them walking behind, and I'm like, "Who is who? You can't tell these people <laughs> yeah, apart. They have the exact same hair color and hairstyle and build. Yes, <laughs> and facial contours. Yeah, yeah. it's it's very similar. So she's at her beach house the next day. And who is who? Who just walks up? Strip. This is our beach house in Malibu. Again, that's not close to the Sunset no. Strip. That's miles and miles away. He comes uh, walking up. Yeah, just like, hey, how you doing? Hey, hey what's up? I'm Strip. Uh, but he gives her reds. 
He's like, I got some reds. Yes. Which are these like hardcore sleeping pills, which is basically what she was looking for. But it's it's drugs. He's he's got hardcore prescription drugs. And he says, I hated to think of you tossing and turning. I feel protective. And he just kind of won't stop. Like no. he really won't stop. Like he's asking questions, he's touching, he's obsessing over her. He's just like really, really onto her. And this is sort of like the question i guess of the first half although the director again seems very indifferent to it which is is he really 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 interested in this woman like he's really just super into her or is he a con man he's a gigolo and he's sort of stalking his prey which is like a middle-aged woman who's wealthy and unhappy and alone and this woman is giving him no signs to none continue hard signs to stop the conversation conversation. he's not like endearing his character is not endearing mm-hmm. like, there was nothing where i was like oh i could see why she's tr- like drawn to him in some way sure. yes yeah, young john travolta absolutely there's a point where he's taught he's physically forcing these drugs on her to take right to, to take and she says thank you and it sounds like a sign of defeat like she says thank right. you like like i just give up. now go away yeah <laughs> i mean you, you fucking force your way but no he gives her the drugs and like Diane Keaton, she mm. swallows a bunch of reds. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> shout out. <laughs> shout out Warren wow. Beatty's reds. Wow. <laughs> so good. Oh, my God. Yeah. So he, he even confesses that he fantasizes about her. Right? She's, she's so flustered she leaves her dog, which is named Scamp, outside. But yes, the, that night she's not able to sleep. And she takes one of the fil- the pills that he foists upon her, and you know, she gets to sleep. Next morning, she's awakened from a call. Who is it? Is it Strip? No, it's her estranged husband, Stuart. I'm sorry, Dan, but no. this is the this is the one point I said Tomlin is fucking killing this scene. She is mm. very. This is where you can see these people have fucking talent. She was at the top of her powers then. She kills this scene. Yeah, and I could see that if her partner was directing this, they really got this scene down right. It's she's raw, emotional, can barely talk to her husband, can barely face the reality of what's going on, and is except, breaking down as she's having this conversation. Except for husband. the crying, the crying didn't feel real to me. But everything else in that scene, I was like, yeah. this is. I was with. The only thing that didn't feel real to me was the husband was basically like, I'm a villain. Like, that was almost his dialogue. <laughs> he was twirling his mustache in front of a railroad he, track. He, he actually says, I'm sorry you found out about my affair with Stacy this way, but I think it's better if you tell our son about it. You know, he's just like the worst human being of all time. What, was Bad that the guy. same housing track? It seems like he's a he's a developer like or a, or a general contractor or something like that. I, think I she's thought that was the same housing track from Poltergeist. So I'm like, I think. This movie, moment by moment, takes place in the Poltergeist universe. And he's building on a graveyard right now. Because everybody's fucking dead in this. Yes, it is. (laughs) Yeah. No, I agree. And I wanted to throw my TV outside (laughs) at the end. I agree. This is probably her best scene. And I think it's definitely telling that it's her, just her. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And nobody else. Uh, not Travolta. So we we get the impression they've had a very difficult relationship. He's cheated on her. She's retreated to this beach house, which we find out is not her beach house. It's it's a friend of hers who's loaning it to her. She says, I'm enjoying the quiet. She kind of tries to put on a brave face, but she starts sobbing when the phone call ends. But don't worry, because when there's a sobbing middle-aged woman estranged from her husband, you know who shows up? Stramp! 
this is also when we learn they have a son. They have a college age son, so a young adult son who's who's distant. Right. And it's kind of okay now. You can kind of feel that Travolta might be that replacement feeling for her. Yes. So oh, if there's a sexual. There's a... She's replacing both the husband and the son. And the yeah, this time. is a reboot of Oedipus Rex. I didn't know. I don't know if you guys knew this. <laughs> yeah, this movie Rex. All right. There's a cringy <laughs> thing that happens later in this movie uh, where I was like, "Ooh, this was like a mother son <laughs> scene." I was like, "Sandcastle scene." No, the, well, that the hot tub scene. Oh, well, sure. Uh, was very, I was like, Hurr. was it the hand job with the dog on the couch scene? <laughs> There's so many scenes. But, <laughs> That's a but lot spe- scene. Specifically, the pool. We'll get to it. I'll, I'll bring that up. But So, Strip shows up. He just wades into the ocean in his underwear. He's at her beach house, naked and wet. He just, again, just shows up again. And he basically announces, like, hey, I'm basically homeless. I slept yes. on the beach last night. My car broke down. I can't get back to Los Angeles. I'm stuck My here in Malibu. Won't let me in. My friends won't let me in. I don't have any money. He begs for food. This is like the the wine sloshing scene. This is the chicken scene. This is a classic (laughs) dame who sits on the beach eating chicken bones, just fucking wolfing them down like sand isn't getting all up in there. Yeah, he makes himself right at home. Again, he's persisting. She's resisting. He very wrongly says, I can take a hint. (laughs) <laughs> he's very bad at taking hints. He's so like, he, you are protesting too much about your hint taking abilities, sir. He he uh, he's homeless, but somehow he must still have somewhere to plug in his hair dryer <laughs> and yes. have a can of Aquanet because that hair is super feathered. There's never a scene where his hair is not feathered back perfectly. Priorities. She's just trying to eat her chicken and drink her wine and read her Architectural Digest on the beach, right? <laughs> and I love that he's like, can I borrow that towel? Can I eat that chicken? Can I have some wine? I wanted him to be like, hey, you finished with that architectural digest? <laughs> Can I read that? Uh, there's a good, uh, the editorials. I really like the cartoons. <laughs> I read it for the articles. My, my friend Greg has a he has a thing published oh, in that. <laughs> Greg. Oh, Greg. Oh, Greg. Greg yeah, was he actually, nominated for he, Best Supporting. He, <laughs> he even tries to push more pills on her, and he says, you're yes. so uptight. Um, but yeah, he's a real he's a real himbo, which is what we kind of <laughs> mm-hmm. get from this. This is where I wrote interminable. Yeah. So next day, out on the beach, guess who shows up? Strip. Corky, I know you don't get Seinfeld references still, right? Mm. But this right. was a classic leave behind. He, this is a classic oh, George Costanza leave behind. That's what I thought like, when I saw the scene. I was like, he's pulling a Costanza. He's the, is that one of the things of Festivus? That's mm-hmm. nothing is. to do with Festivus. Don't even That's you're you're, right. you're only, so out of your league, Donnie. Oh my god! <laughs> the only thing you should have left was the uh, mink hat or whatever it is. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so he doesn't leave behind. He left his shirt behind. She finally starts to kind of thaw out a little bit. She's a little nicer to him. She gives him a sweater, but of course he's like pushes further, pushes further, further. He even seems to kind of suggest some sort of trade of sexual favors. And she yeah. says, I should have known. And he says, I got my doubts about you too, lady. And he storms off, which is another recurring theme in this movie, which is that his pride gets wounded somehow and he storms off. That happens about five more times in this movie. A, yes, you should have known better, lady. This man has done nothing but follow you for 48 hours. <laughs> B, how the fuck did his backpack get swiped? He's been been doing nothing but hanging out in front of her place for the last two days. <laughs> And all that's in, in there is Aquanet and a and a hair dryer. <laughs> in C, 
this this scene opens with her looking at architectural plans on her living room floor, crouched up like nobody in the world looks at. Like, if you're going to do work on plans, I've worked in architecture offices, you don't curl up on the floor with, like, a thing of wine and just look at, flip through plans like a magazine. <laughs> like That's how oh. guys do it. That's not how women do it, dude. So, uh, in your face. <laughs> All the women I work with are doing it wrong. You're yep. doing it wrong, ladies. So the next day, she sees him on the side of the... She's driving her BMW, and she sees him working on a car on the side of the road. And she's, you know, she's decided now, since he stormed off, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be nice to this guy. So she pulls over. She finds out this is actually Greg's car. It's like some kind mm-hmm. of sports car. He wants to fix it. That wasn't a sports car. That was like a Datsun B210. That was, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, that was not a sports yeah. car. <laughs> The point she is, it's somehow in the, on the beach. I don't know. I yeah. like it. The car doesn't work, but he was able to tow it to somehow like a very scenic he's on, location. He's on the Pacific Coast Highway, just broke <laughs> down. Which dangerous men taught us that that is never a good scenario. Don't do that. Don't do that. So yeah, remember Greg? Remember Greg? He's in jail. Um, that's his friend who worked at Schwab's. Um, so this is Greg's car. He wants to fix it to raise bail money. Boy, this Greg stuff. It is so. Again, indifferent is the way that I would describe it as how it's woven into the overall story is just like, a hey, remember my friend Greg? I got to do this thing for Greg. Like, it's, it's nonsense. It's somehow the most important thing and yet does not matter at it fucking d- all. Not at all. Well, and, and his plan to get his buddy out of jail is to sell his friend's car. Like, how sure. do you... You can't sell someone else's car. How, how would that even work? How would that work? He calls but Greg sh- the smartest man in the world. And it's like, why is Greg doing a bid well, for drug possession? Then? Greg's in jail saying, I'm counting on getting out of jail with, by by the actions of my dumbest friend. Sell my car somehow. Strip. Strip is going to so find dumb, and fuck you some strip. rich old lady. We're gonna, he's going to rob her place. <laughs> Tri- strip just forgot the plan. <laughs> Because he had chicken yeah, and a bottle of wine. She apologizes for some yeah. reason. I can't even Why? imagine what. what. But so offers, there's a role reversal that happens yeah, now. Yeah, it's like now she feels bad for some reason. So she's she apologizes. She offers to pay for the repairs to the car and pay for lunch. I mean, she's got money, so fuck it. Yeah. So during lunch, which is, again, at her beach house in Malibu, which, I mean, again, just the jumping around all here just is nonsensical. She learns that Greg has friends on the mafia who bailed him out, which he's not worried about at all. He feels fine about that. He gets a call. It's like, oh, that's great. Saves me the bail money. Like, hey, dude, dude. dude. The dialogue in this scene. The mafia doesn't do shit because they feel like bad about things. (laughs) That's not how the mafia works. Dumb shit. And he brings up Greg, and I'm just like, dude, never bring up your exes on a date. This is just not not good. She even calls him out, and she's like, is Greg your, you know, is that your boyfriend? (laughs) She has no reason to not think this. He's done nothing but go on and on about this man that's in jail who he loves. So she she drops him off at the gas station. She pays for the repairs. He drives off, and she sort of longingly watches him as as he drives off. Cut back to Strip, and he's running down the street in a in a very sort of distraught kind of way. Bad news about Greg. I mean, we can all kind of figure it there's out. There's an ADR line. There's an ADR line going, "Hey, Trip." <laughs> he goes, "Hey, Strip. Sorry to hear about Greg. Oh man, that's too bad." Because <laughs> it's like they realize we don't know what the fuck like, is happening. What's happening? Why is he? He running? just runs to a flop house hotel in Skid, in Skid Row. <laughs> so he had a place to stay. Yeah. Like, are we missing this? 
He Is had a place Greg's to stay. Place? Supposedly, he had no way to get back from Malibu to Los Angeles because he didn't have any money or a car. Supposedly. I don't know. He walked from Rodeo to Schwab. I know this guy is he's 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 a real hiker. This guy, um, <laughs> but yeah, Greg Greg's dead. Greg's done so. Um, so Strip shows up to um, Trisha's house and he's drunk and she's yeah. very annoyed and she tells him, "You got to go, buddy." He goes, uh, "He goes, oh, just because I'm drinking wine means I'm drunk." It's like no, because you slurring words and you obviously <laughs> shit yourself. That's why I know you're drunk. <laughs> Though it is John Travolta, so that might just be a standard. Yeah, I mean that could just be part of his method. Yeah. Um. So that night. She's watching My Man Godfrey alone at night. And Corky, we were mm-hmm. talking the other day about when characters in bad movies are watching good movies. So you're like, why the fuck aren't I watching My Bad with Godfrey right now? It's fantastic. Yeah. It's fucking delightful. I could watch it all the time. But she's watching it alone at night. And who shows up? Knock, 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 knock on the door. Strip. You know why? <laughs> leave behind. Classic leave behind. This address book that he leaves behind. This is the first of about 27 times that this address book the most important thing to him in the world for some reason is left behind at this woman's house. <laughs> he lets the address book behind, but she lets him in. She lets him in. And he kind of says, he, he intimates that Greg's overdose was faked. The mobsters killed him. Right. They made it look like an overdose. And he's really scared. And don't worry, because she gets him out of those wet clothes. Don't yep. you worry about that. And she kind of he, comforts him. They sleep next to each other, and she comforts him. She shows up vulnerable scared he's lost and helpless and you hear the crashing of waves and i'm like that's not the ocean no that's <laughs> Lily Tomlin's character that's that's trisha that's, <laughs> <laughs> it's actually a low tide right now she, it, it literally dan it is that it's like oh he's dead okay well let's get you out of those clothes that'll help yeah. you out <laughs> like what? there we go you're you're freezing you're freezing aren't you they're they're, they're, they're too tight they're constricting you i know it yeah yeah so they sleep Next to each other. They don't sleep with each other. She just kind of mm-hmm. comforts him as they sleep. But the next morning, they wake up next to each other, and she just, just goes to work on his junk. It, she it's just... So, like she, I guess she was saying that she was sleeping in an awkward position because she starts like massaging her arm and hand, and it's sure. like, oh, okay, you know what else will work this hand out? You know what? Yeah. How <laughs> <laughs> about a little uh, hand row? A, a, a Malibu hand job. How <laughs> about a little, yes, a little dating Miss Michigan? <laughs> Let <laughs> me just yes. knock it around a little bit. She fondles his junk and off they go. Although Jane Wagner tastefully or in, indifferently fades out. Fades out. She is not Adrian Lynn. No, lying. she's like, nope, cut, cut. That's my girlfriend. Stop. <laughs> Stop. Cut away from her job development. None and a half weeks. so next day i am assuming and he's already in full boy toy mode her dog found a friend dog and guess what the dog friend dog's name is it's corky best part of this movie and she certainly seems happier she's 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 been very morose and very um kind of brittle throughout the the dog yeah scamp (laughs) no just (laughs) trisha has been kind of brittle and and morose throughout she seems a little bit happier um this is also the scene where you find out that manic pixie dream boy strip leaves messages in a bottle and just throw like he 
just takes a bottle and throws it like just throws his trash into the ocean right outside of her window. It's like I wrote I wrote hand job and then I wrote <laughs> puts a note in a bottle and writes on it, no really. And then <laughs> Okay, so th- not to be like Mr. Cishet, heteronormative, toxic masculinity, but it still mm-hmm. always makes me laugh when a grown man can't throw. <laughs> and John Travolta winged that thing no farther than the third step of that ramp <laughs> to get down to the beach. He yeah, did not make the water ocean by a good mile and just landed in the sand. No more accomplished <laughs> like at baseball not- than his character in Greece. The the scene where Danny Zuko tries out for the baseball team. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, a side note, and, and I hope someone will put this on the Wikipedia page for this or on IMDb. That scene is what inspired uh, a young Sting to write "Message in the mm. Bottle" wow. for the police. Yeah, so please, yeah. any listeners out there That's who huge. have Wikipedia protocols or IMDb protocols, this episode's on the that. internet now, and the internet by law cannot lie. Yeah. So, the real the real lyrics to that song, the original lyrics are Lily Tomlin just gave me a hand job. There's a little white spot on the couch today. There's a little white spot on the couch today. That's a song. The same old stain as yesterday. <laughs> or yeah, no, yeah. the the title of this movie should have been called Don't Stand So Close to Me. Yeah. I mean, because that's that's like the whole first hour. That's what the stars. What said to each other constantly. No, but we're not in frame to get it. Don't stand so close. So she starts asking questions. He resists a little mm-hmm. bit now, but he talks a little bit about his past life, which is, of course, very, very vague in a kind of um, gigolo sort of a, a way. But he, he basically says that he ran away from home at 14 years old because his parents forgot his birthday. Yeah, Two years in a right. row. In his defense, two, two years, years in, in a row. row. They forgot 13. 13 and 14. Yeah. So he's this like, is where done. it occurred to me. I was like, he's a sex worker. I did not I did not pick up on that. Right. Until this moment right here. And she has no comprehension or compunction about falling and allowing this man in. Yeah. She, she doesn't even react. When he said that, I was like, first, I'm like, I would love to hear the parent's side of the story. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> on why they didn't get him birthday presents or whatever. And then. Lily Tom, I'm not even a parent. I don't have kids. I will never have kids. But even me as as a 46-year-old adult, I would have been like, wait, you ran away because your parents forgot your birthday? Yeah. I, I, I think That's, we should. There's some holes in that story. Yeah. Like, let's yeah. let's go call them right now. Let's I don't care. Up. It's long distance. I don't <laughs> care. Let's, let's resolve some of this. As a parent, I know they would like to hear from their now 22-year-old son. The backstory is basically he got abandoned by his parents at the age of like 14. And after getting to know Strip for a while, I'm like, what took so long? Like, <laughs> I know, <laughs> right? Like, were you just holding on to Those a His parents hope? were fucking saints for putting up with yeah. that kid for that but, long. He, the Strip character is the whole reason fire departments allowed started allowing people to, no questions asked, dump a kid at a firehouse. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> But instead, she jumps into a jacuzzi with him. So we get the jacuzzi scene now. So this is where Strip says that he loves her. He loves Trisha. And he pushes her to say it to him while they're in the jacuzzi together. Because, you know, that's what 
people love as you the, do to be as yes. pressured into saying i love you <laughs> oh exactly i'm sweating i'm hot 72 hours after they've met yeah, yeah. Forty-eight of those hours, it was not going well. This is the scene that made me cringe because she like she like does this little double finger mm-hmm. move and then like points like kind of taps the water with her fingers mm. and she's like, "Come on!" And it was like that's like a, a parent telling a child that's afraid to get into the pool. Yeah, like come on, baby, that's okay. You can get in the pool. Yeah. Mama's here. I was like, but wait. This Wait is... 30 minutes because you just ate, honey. <laughs> yeah. you, just, you just ate that chicken kid that, you feel that like was you just ate over. me out. <laughs> 30 minutes. Wait for you to come in the bed. This is where I was like, oh, these people did not like putting their lips on each other. Like, no. They, no. Nope. She, he, she won't say I love you. He kind of pulls away and he actually threatens to withhold sex if she doesn't admit that she loves him. So motivated. She's motivated now. That's he how he he's he's all of my out of the jacu- well. I mean, right? That was my one move. That was my one move. Like <laughs> um, a poker, it's all in. Every hand, I go all in. Same he stops out of the jacuzzi. <laughs> she follows him, and he says, "I've had it with cheap sex." And she says, "I've never had cheap sex before. I was sort of looking forward to it." At which point, she does the behind the back embrace. Which Corky, I know you don't like that. No, man. Damn, Real life Corky, not dog Corky. I wrote it down. <laughs> I was like, "Fuck! I can't. I can't even watch this scene. I hate that the hug from behind. Yes. PTSD. It just. I can't watch." And she says, "I don't even know what the word love means anymore." Which dumb, bad writing, bad writing. But they embrace, and she says it. She says, "I love you." At which point, kaboom. Full on Norma Desmond at this point. Like, yes. she is like, yep. this is her boy toy at this point. Mm-hmm. Like, she is buying him stuff. She's taking him out to dinner. She's telling him he's remarkable. She's always horny. She's mooning over him. They she, go, they're canoodling. They're saying, I love you. It's just awful. They go back to Rodeo Driver. He does, goes shopping at a store that turned him away earlier. And he's right. like, do you work on commission? Big mistake. <laughs> Huge mistake. Mistake and walks out. <laughs> classic. Like, classic These bit. are good, really good, it, uh, bordering on great in, in terms of s- some of their performances they've turned in. Actors. Yeah. And I don't believe a fucking minute of Mm-mm. them together. I don't, believe, I don't believe a moment by moment of them together. There's not a single any of the moments of the thousands Mm-mm. of moments that feels authentic in any way, shape, or form. There's a dark scene of them in bed all like kind of intertwined with their body parts, and I can't tell them apart. <laughs> Very troubling. <laughs> So he's he's also insecure about his lack of money, which mm-hmm. this is kind of the big theme of the last third, which is that she's she's got money. She lives in a money world, and he's her boy to you who has no money. There's also this scene where they're on the beach together, and he's kind of talking about this a little bit. Says, I have great ideas. And he's like built a sandcastle and she gets so excited about this sandcastle as though he's like five years old she's just like oh my god what a great (laughs) sandcastle let me get a picture of you with the sandcastle and he's like i'll get i'll get scamp in the picture too and he makes it like oh my god this is like you would the picture she takes is as though he were a child and she reacts to it like he was a child yes (laughs) 
boy. So who shows up at the beach house into this hermetic, uh, beautiful little uh, dream that they've been living together? Naomi. Remember the waxed friend, the friend who was getting waxed on the phone? She pops up to the house. Was this her house? I know she's living at a friend's house. Was this Naomi's no, beach house that she's her, at? Uh, this is her second house because she's actually talking to the housekeeper who's still cleaning the other house. So this oh, is just okay. like her, her second house. Oh, all right. Well, there you go. Because yeah, like this whole scene with her and her friend, her and her full friend Naomi, it, it was like if if the Howls only had dialogue on an episode of Gilligan's <laughs> Island. Like that's this, this whole... <laughs> yes Lovely. they're very rich they're very rich they're talking about their rich friends uh her friend asks for a drink and um trisha goes to bacon she's like vodka or gin and her friend's like both ah. which pointless <laughs> honestly why would you ever do that <laughs> that's so, true huh <laughs> so pointless oh that should have been the drink you made for this episode was well just... i was going yeah right vodka and, vodka gin. and gin there you go oh god uh who walks in with the groceries but strip strip walks in and when he comes in she's like abra 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 oh thank you grocery boy here's a tip mm-hmm. um and of course Again, here's the big thing about the second half of the film, which is that he is pride is wounded and he storms off. Uh, Naomi, of course, figures it out as any even semi coherent person would. And again, this woman's been drinking vodka and gin all day, like, and she's <laughs> she still figures it out. I mean, come on, Naomi's fucked way more than her share oh, of right. Rich, uh, yeah. you know, well, like, this is sure. this is the person you're censoring for. Come on, give me yes. A break. Um, but yes, immediately Trisha feels bad. She says, I've done something terrible. And so she and Naomi drive to Los Angeles to track down Strip. They're searching for Strip on the yep. Strip. This sequence goes on a while. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's like it goes on three like- minutes after you think like this se- sequence should be over. <laughs> and then it's just like, whoa, you're in another club. You're in an arcade. You're in a, like, where the fuck are you? You just keep going in all these different places, looking for Strip and not finding Strip. If you were hanging out on the Sunset Strip sometime in 1977, you were in this movie. Because oh, they absolutely. Just, they filmed you as they drove up they and down were. that thing. Yeah. So, yes, they look all over. They can't find Strip. So she leaves the Strip, where she was trying to find Strip, and mm-hmm. goes back to Malibu. But who shows up at her door? Strip. Yeah, never worry, because Strip was always going to come back to the door. This and guy it's was always begging. in the night. Yep, at a at a secluded beach house on in Malibu. There's, there's like she's just out in the middle of fucking nowhere, and it's he like could not have been that far. No, I mean this is a horror movie house. scenario where, where like a woman alone in a house and someone yeah. is like it's 11 p.m. I'm watching The Glass Key. <laughs> Like what? What are you doing? No, She's always then, watching she old been, movies too. She would have been watching ABC's Tens, uh, ABC, <laughs> ABC's Champion of the Stars, where the, uh-huh. the Champion of the Network Stars. They wouldn't do movie stars; it was network stars. So she's watching Banachek, and she hears a knock on the door. <laughs> but he just came for his address book. Yeah, leave behind yeah, that famous address book. She says, "Let's make up." And she lures him upstairs, which he's very resistant about. He follows her upstairs. Uh, she admits that she's self-conscious about their age difference. She undresses him. And then she's like, fuck it. 
I don't care. I love you. Come to a party with my rich ass friends. Yeah. I don't give a shit. And yeah, boom, they're back together. So now we go to. I need to get my address book. It's got. What's my address book? I guess I'll get it later. (laughs) I need my address book or something. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) So the next night, I guess, they go to the party, the Mm -hmm. photography party. Jane Wagner, comic genius, photography. fantastic ideas right and left like this woman is like i'm gonna keep him secret from my friend now let me just introduce him to high society this man was begging for chicken bones right 48 hours ago like i want to make soup this is literally down and out in beverly hills this is the movie with Beth Midler and woody allen trying to fucking or richard dreyfus trying to jazz up a homeless nick nolte yes and exactly. everybody fucks him yeah you almost mixed up scenes scenes from a mall i did with- <laughs> i did i did mix them up i think that's the first mention of scenes from a mall on the podcast episode 100 we got there i knew we we'd get, get there in- let's get interiors stardust memories <laughs> and scoop midsummer night sex comedy belinda belinda all right <laughs> So, yes, we're at the photography party, which is some rich friend of hers who's like, photography, that's a play on photography. I'm going to photograph foots or whatever and put them on a fucking gallery, I guess. Who knows? But her husband's there. Her husband's there because, of course, yeah, young Tarantino. (laughs) I want to talk over that. That's a good bit. So, Strip drinks a lot at the party. Her husband, Stu, is there. He approaches. Strip runs off. And the husband says, you've succeeded in making fools of both of us. Also at the party, again, because this is so inelegantly woven in the movie, Santini. Santini. Remember Santini? He's the mobster who murdered Greg. Do you remember Greg? (laughs) Like, like, wait. How scripturally convenient was that, that the great Santini is there? And don't worry, (laughs) that's never going to come up. Yeah. That never matters at all. Yeah, don't worry about it. That that um, uh, yeah. that's a, a rap on Santini for, and Greg. <laughs> for a split second, I I was like, oh, maybe her husband that he he you know he's a contractor. He works in land development. Maybe he's connected to the mob somehow. No, nope. no. Nah. <laughs> or maybe this was Travolta's end around to get to her because he knew her husband. Nope. No, nope. There's no. nothing clever about any of this. Nothing there at all. Yeah, that would involve. The screenwriter being invested in any way, shape, or form in these characters <laughs> or this story, and she was not. She Which is certainly was not because, like, this was the person you built your career with, your professional comedic career mm-hmm. with. This is the phoning it in on this is the best you could do. So the next day, so Strip storms off from the party. Next day, guess who shows up? Strip. but he kind of skulks he skulks in he's he's so good at skulking too he's he skulks at just the right or wrong time whenever the (laughs) script needs him to this time he skulks at just the right time because they don't hear him and he overhears naomi talking to trisha on the beach and naomi says it won't last and trisha basically says that she never thought that it would last and basically she's basically says she's keeping him around out of pity she basically breaks up with him through Naomi. <laughs> just through their dialogue, she breaks up yeah. with him. And Strip walks off. He just leaves without saying a word. They never knew that he was there. But guess who returns that night? 
strip. <laughs> Mike, you cannot keep this fucking guy away. No. Yeah, he shows up in the middle of the night. Again, horror movie scenario. I'm alone <laughs> in a fucking dark beach house. Yeah, he's there. He's hurt. He's upset. He starts talking about his insecurities, and he breaks off with her in a very hurtful sort of way. He said he suggests he might go to Vegas. He suggests there's another older woman he run, run off with. I might do a porno. I got offered a porno. I mean, that's just an opportunity you can't possibly turn down. And she says, you must be in pain yourself to want to hurt me so much. But guess who calls mid-breakup? Just classic timing on Stu, the Strip. ex-husband. Not strip. Uh, yeah. Strip. strip. strip like, how's that possible? What, oh, wait. What, where are you calling from? Strip, you're in my living room. <laughs> I'm, I'm talking to you? Who? The call's huh? coming from inside the house. It's me. It's, call, it's coming from inside strip. <laughs> but yes, her husband, Stuart, calls mid-breakup. Like mid-breakup, he's just like, hey, what do you, what's, what's that strip there? Uh, he offers to come out. She denies him. And then when she hangs up the phone, Strip is gone, which leads to a, a classic scene of Lily Toblet running around the house yelling, Strip! 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 <laughs> she just, there's a minute of this movie where she just is exclaiming Strip. It's, it's hard to believe this wasn't a hit. <laughs> but guess who comes back? In the middle of the night, the strip. <laughs> he seriously strip. does. He comes back and he leaves her a message in a fucking bottle. Oh, oh my god! I this was LOLs all the way for me. Yeah. I just could not believe yeah. it when he's just like, huh, "Here's my message in a bottle." <laughs> oh my god! She finds this is it the, the woman next I said morning. I, I want to have an adult, beautiful, yes. compassionate relationship with. Here's What's the, the message best in way a to bottle. get my message across I'll to I'll leave her? it on your porch. I'll stuff a message in a bottle, put it on your porch. <laughs> so she Christ. finds it in the next morning while walking on the beach. He comes up. She pulls out the message. It says, what a world. Yeah, what? And works for her because now she mm -hmm. takes her bmw to track down strip using the address book that he once again left behind i forgot to mention that he came back not just to break up with her but to get his address book and then left without his address book and then came back again to get his address. <laughs> my god so she uses the address book address book that he left behind for like the fifth time she drives to greg's parents house and she presents him with a message in a bottle. Right. She's this, just really committing to this message in a bottle relationship. This is supposed to be the big grand romantic moment yeah. in the in the movie. This is the chasing down at the airport. This is mm -hmm. all uh, the public decoration in front of everybody. And they still fight. Like he still is pissed <laughs> off and petulant that she showed up. No, I love is that like working on a car. He's working like, on the car. Did, she drives how up did he like get there. She drives up like Parks five feet from him and then walks up and talks to him. And he looks up as though like, oh, ugh, uh -huh. who's here? How did you not hear that car drive up? <laughs> it parked right next to you. <laughs> How did you not hear that? But yeah, she gives him a message in the bottle. And what does her message say? It says, happy birthday. And he says, you remembered. They embrace. Basically the end, although we now mm -hmm. see some Polaroid shots. 
over the Which, ending credits. Although it's not real Polaroids because who would have taken these pictures? They're all see, in the pictures together looking at each other. It's just images from the movie put in Polaroid I, frame. I think whoever took those Polaroids was the same person that took all the home movies of Kevin Arnold and his family from, uh, <laughs> from Wonder Years. It was the same photographer. It's this professional photographer all, who just goes around shooting home movies. It's stills like, from the movie. So these are no future memories that they've made together. No. Like we, we still have no reason to believe that they worked this out. Like no. They probably fought right as soon as this Absolutely. was Absolutely. Yeah. No. <laughs> they broke up immediately afterwards. Yes. Yeah. Uh, we the hear the title thing, song. No Sorry. More Moments. No more moments. The moments are ended. We hear the title song by Yvonne Elliman, mm-hmm. uh, which, like the movie itself, is a real drag. And that is the end of your movie. It's called Moment by Moment. The many moments of the movie have finally, finally, finally come to the end. Corky and Johnny, before we wrap it up and give our ratings, is there anything else you would like to say about Moment by Moment? Yeah. Yes. I have a couple things. One, Go for it. Uh, I think there's two ways they could have made this a better movie is if Lily Tomlin and Travolta, if they just cut out the sex scenes and Lily Tomlin uh, and Travolta's characters are actually siblings, like he, I, I didn't realize, I, I, I looked this up, and she's 20 years older than him. He, mm-hmm. Travolta was born in the yeah, 50s. She was born in the 30s. And um, like if they had made it where that's her long lost brother and you didn't realize it, you know, like, and they reconnected, and she's like kind of taking her brother under his wing, her wing. It would explain I, the lack of sexual chemistry. Yeah, them, exactly. For sure. <laughs> or they should have made this like the end of Lone Star, and they find mm. out that they're actually brother and sister. Right, and um, it just shocks shocks them. Yeah, into, and they're yeah. both like, "Are you okay with this? Spoiler I'm okay with for it." For anybody who hasn't seen the fabulous John Sayles movie Lone Star, yeah, yeah. watch uh, Lone movie. Star and uh, not <laughs> pretend this. you don't know that. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing is. Okay, so YouTube is a gold mine for people yeah. posting movies. Yeah. This movie is so bad, no mm-hmm. one even bothered to put it up on YouTube. You had to go no. to that also ran Daily Motion. Yeah. And further indicating how bad this movie is, the same person didn't even put the movie up in, in its total runtime. No. One person put it up for half of its runtime, <laughs> and someone completely, <laughs> completely different in India put up He's the like, second half on Daily Motion. I guess Motion. I kind of want to watch the second half of this. The, yeah. This is like, I got halfway through it. I just got, I got bored. Done. I, I'm not even going to waste, I'm even even waste my uploading internet it. speed. Yeah. We Quirky. watched this. I, I, yeah, I watched this in two clips on Daily Motion. It took five minutes before I realized that the first clip had ended because there were so many like commercial breaks as I was watching it. I thought I was just waiting for that commercial break to end, and I was so tuned out. It took five minutes before of a of an Indian video before I realized, hey, this is probably not supposed to continue as the first. I gotta go click to the other one. I've got ad okay, blockers, so, so I never have to deal with that. Oh no, get on you. Nicely done. Um, we talk a lot about how in really shitty rom-com rom-coms and rom-com cliches is that there's no reason these people shouldn't be together. Like they're Mm. perfectly Mm. matched for together, except for the first act of the script demands that they come. They hate each other. Loggerheads. Yes. Stupid reason. That's not this movie. There is no reason at all. These people should be together, but the movie insists that they do. Except as like prostitute and Jane. Is that the female version of a John? Lastly, one of the, crazy things is like growing up when there's pop culture references that you know are are a joke that people treat as a joke mm-hmm. um 
and then you kind of just assume that they're around forever because you, you've heard them, but you don't know where they're from. It's funny to see what they're, they came from. So I grew up knowing that uh, sometimes when we touch the honesties too much, it's just kind of like a joke line. Uh, said Ford Fairlane says it one time, you know. But it Adam comes Sandler from the fu- says it in yes. um, not Happy Gilmore, but uh, Billy Madison. Yeah, and it comes from this movie, that song in this movie. Sometimes when we touch the honesties too much, it's like, oh yeah, that's why it's a joke because it fucking belongs to this movie. Right. Absolutely. And it's a dud. So just mm-hmm. to remind everybody about our rating system, run of the mill bad film. It's a dare, next level bad, double dare, a movie we actually like, reverse dare. I'm going to start with our guest, Johnny Flores. What do you rate moment by moment? Uh, reverse dare, actually. No, uh, wow. this movie. <laughs> Fuck, you no, had me double... for a second there. <laughs> this, this is a double dare through and through. If you want to see a really good Travolta performance, Go watch an old SNL clip of Dana Carvey playing mm. Travolta, talking about "Look Who's Talking." Uh, it's it's one of <laughs> the best talking, Travolta, but he's not really talking. Yeah, it's, I don't know. It's like his vocal cords is all rubbery or something. I don't know. <laughs> um, it's what it's one of my top five <laughs> SNL moments. So uh, go watch that instead. Uh, yeah, this is a complete and utter waste of time. I hate you both. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh. Welcome back, Johnny. Welcome Speaking back. Speaking <laughs> of SNL, I was trying, searching around for the clip of the John Lovett's Harvey Firestein episode where he has um, John Travolta on and he talks about like moment by moment. He's like, that whole movie was just me walking around in my bikini underwear. And <laughs> yeah. Lovett's I, Firestein says, I remember, I remember. <laughs> <laughs> His, the, he, he must have either had it written into his contract or got paid. Like he had a, a sponsor, like uh, bikini briefs, black bikini yeah. briefs. Like him and Nicolas Cage made their For, their movie stardom in in those underwear. Uh, Jim Palmer too. Don't forget about yeah, Jim Palmer. Jim Palmer. <laughs> <laughs> Corky, you're rating for moment by moment. That's uh, too many moments. Way too many moments. Mm-hmm. I wanted less moments. Mm-hmm. We said uh, you know less, but they gave me moments. Uh, it's a double fucking dare. This movie's so goddamn boring. I can't, we yeah. cannot stress how boring this movie is. It, the dialogue is just ridiculous. Tri- Lily Tomlin's good in a couple scenes, and you can see the ideas of what they were kind of maybe going with with her character being a nurturing woman who's, who doesn't have her son, doesn't have her husband, and kind of finds both in one. Mm-hmm. And uh, But it's... It, Never fleshes out any any good at all. It makes no sense that these people would be together. That's just the fucking bummer of a movie. Don't waste your time. A better Travolta movie is Battlefield Earth, which we gave reverse dares to. Mm-hmm. And a better Lily Tomlin movie is, I'd say, Incredible Shrinking Woman, if you want to spend some time sure. with Lily Tomlin. Uh, Nashville. Yeah. She's, she's oh, yeah, yeah, Nashville. Sure. Yeah. Great movie. Yeah, I was tempted to go with a dare just because I was I thought the concept was intriguing, but again the execution is just absolutely dreadful. It's a real, real fucking drag of a movie. It is just it's dull. It's just very, very dull. So I'm gonna give it a double dare as well. That's a triple. Triple wow. double dare. That is unanimous. We've never had a six assess dare. What is it? <laughs> What is it? It's not a sep. Is it sept? That's seven. Somebody give it a triple dare so we can go sept because I don't know what yeah. A, uh, yeah. six is. Whatever it is, it's probably unprecedented. Oh, hey, so it's Travolta. We talk about Travolta, uh, Travolta in terms of like he he gives a lot. He he makes choices. They're the bad choices, but he commits. 
How did you feel in this one? I felt like he committed, but it's just like committed to what? To being a vapid drifter stoner? Yeah, he doesn't just doesn't have a very strong character to play. I, I I will say he's so much more engaging than Lily Tomlin is in this movie, but she's playing mm-hmm. cold, she's playing brittle, mm-hmm. she's playing withdrawn. Yeah. The the yeah, seeds of a not better a great, movie are there, but they just didn't do it. It's not a great Travolta performance, but I I do feel he is kind of giving it his all. Um I just don't know if he knows what again, it's just really poorly directed. I got the, the feeling that this is the most like Travolta we've ever seen him in a movie. Like, this is him. Himbo to the max. The only thing Gigolo is on the sunset strip. No drugs. Yeah. All right. That's all we have for you on this episode of Dare Daniel in Travoltember. But we'll be back in two weeks to review another one of your movie dares. Until then, send your most sadistic or altruistic movie dares to us at daredaniel.com. And be sure to follow Dare Daniel Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, collectively known as the Schmied. It saves time, lots of time, so much time. Like and rate us on iTunes, podcasts, Apple Podcasts, whatever it's called. All your favorite podcast apps. Rate Mm -hmm. us there and like us there and listen to us there. Do it. You can read more of my movie reviews on the Dare Daniel website at daredaniel.com. Johnny Flores, thank you so much for appearing on episode number 100. That is very, very huge. It's important to us, and uh, we loved having you here. Thanks. Yeah, it was fun to be back. I I forgot how much fun it was sitting in the room with you guys. This time I actually get to talk instead of just laughing in the background. Yeah, exactly. People love to hear you talk. And FloresPodcastConsulting.com, if you have an organization, you have a nonprofit, you got a business, you want to get your podcast out there, if you're just a regular Joe and you're like, I could be a podcast, I could do podcasts, I'm a podcast, just hit him up, FloresPodcastConsulting.com, and he'll help you out in some way. Some way. Just put put some money on his canteen. uh, The man helps people. Go visit him. Uh, make sure that you no, absolutely, yeah. Don't clear some don't, time on no weapons, no metal yes, you can't at all, wear weapons. possible. <laughs> <laughs> but if you have chicken and wine, that's that's totally oh. fine. That's huge. That's huge. Yeah. Corky, what are you up to? Uh, you know, I'm just kind of hoping I can get Greg out of. Uh, <laughs> You're still jail. still Bam. with the Greg, still with Greg. Well, he's just the smartest guy I've ever met, Dan. That's why he's doing <laughs> good, you know. Um, Greg seems like a genius. He got caught stealing from Schwab's. <laughs> for the mob, apparently? That was the other thing. He was like, yeah. I know, right? What he was working for the mob, to... but he was also a pharmacy tech. Well, that's where he got the reds, I guess. Mm. But that's like, what? But then where does Travolta get the whip? Yeah, no. Nonsense. He's a drifter that hangs out with John Travolta in a flop house. How did he do that <laughs> He's of... a genius. Corky, what uh, do you no, have to No, but seriously, you can catch me... Uh, at the Museum of Modern Art with my photography exhibits. It's just <laughs> random. It's, it's not pictures of feet. It's pictures taken with my feet. So <laughs> it's just a lot of a lot of carpets, a lot of tile floors. Uh, out of focus. <laughs> yes. <laughs> my toes in the way. Sounds very artistic. Yes. It's it sounds great. Everybody go check that out. For Dare Daniel, I am Daniel Barnes. And I'm Corky McDonald saying... Yeah, I, I just need my address book again. I left <laughs> it here. This, get this man his address book. <laughs> I, need, I need my address book. All right. Bye-bye, everybody. Love you. Thanks, Johnny. Thank you, guys. Ka-choo.